You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Belinda Mulder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Hallelujah, church. Is God not good? Is God not good? I count it an honor and a privilege to stand before you this morning to tell you that God is with you. God is with you. He sees you. He knows you. He hears your prayers. He's with you. He will help you. And He will bring you peace because He loves you. My message today, and if you can take this message home, tomorrow morning we are pasting it on Facebook as a screen cover. You can put it on your screens, on your tablets, on your computers. But if you can get this one message today, this is what I want you to take home. Are you ready for it? God's message for you today is, what you face also has to face me. I don't think you heard me this morning, church. God's message to you today is, what you face also has to face me. If you are facing depression, anxiety, fear this morning, guess what? It's facing the God on the inside of you that says he has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. Are you with me this morning, church? If you are facing addictions this morning, I want to tell you those addictions are not just facing you. Those addictions are facing the God on the inside of you. And God says, because of me, you can overcome. Because of the blood I shed on the cross. Because of the time I spent on the cross. Because of the price I paid that is not your portion. Do you hear me this morning, church? Because of the God on the inside of you, I can tell you that there is a tomorrow. If you are facing suicide this morning, I want to tell you there is life in Christ Jesus. Because the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you. So my sermon this morning comes from the Israelite nation. And the Israelite nation were God's people. And his heart was to bless him. Today I want to tell you, you are God's people. And God's heart is to bless you, to support you, to protect you, to guide you, and to lead you, and to help you like he helped the Israelites in the time of the Bible. Can I hear an amen? Amen. I'm going to prophesy faith into your heart this morning. Amen. So on Israel's journey to the promised land, God had faced the Red Sea with them. God had faced the wilderness with them. God had faced different opponents with them. And God had fought different battles with them because they were his people. Amen. Today, whatever your Red Sea is, your God is ready to face it with you. Whatever your wilderness is, it doesn't matter how dry you feel this morning, the God on the inside of you is ready to face that battle with you. Amen? So in Deuteronomy 2 verse 9, you have to stick with me this morning. I'm going to tell you a story out of the Bible, but I'm not going to read the four chapters whilst we're going to be here for the next 20 minutes just reading the story, okay? So I'm going to narrate it to you to tell you that what I want to bring across this morning. Is that okay? So in Deuteronomy 2 verse 9, the Lord tells Moses, Moses, do not attack Moab, nor provoke them to war, for I will not give you any of their land as a possession, because I have given 
are to the sons of Lot as a possession. Amen. So stick with me this morning. You'll see why I'm reading this scripture. This instruction is something that they had to remember and something we have to remember in the account that we're going to read from the Bible this morning. Because as the nation camps in the plains of Moab, just before the, the promised land, the nation of Moab and Balak, their king, sees this vast amount of people. They see this greatness of Israel nearby and they are overcome with great fear. Let me read that scripture in the Amplified Bible. It says, so Moab was terrified at the people and full of dread because they were many. Moab was distressed and overcome with fear because of the Israelites. Are you with me this morning, church? So God had given Moses instruction not to attack Moab. Do you get that? Can we say that from the word? Amen. And now Israel is camped in the plains of Moab just before the promised land. But Moab, if they knew the word of God, had nothing to fear. Because they would have known that they should leave Israel alone. Because God had told them that they should not fight them. But they were filled with great fear. Moab had nothing to fear but they were filled with fear. So in our lives today, sometimes we are camped in a place before the promised land and God has given us promises, just like God had given Moses a promise, an instruction not to attack Moab. Moab was not supposed to be afraid, but they were afraid. Many times we are in places in our lives where we are camped and we are afraid, but we have nothing to fear because God has given us his promises, amen? Are you with me this morning? So when fear takes a hold of you, it makes you do silly things, amen? And you jump into battles that were never meant to be your battles. Can I say that again? When fear takes a hold of you, you start fighting battles that were never meant to be your battles. Fight the battles you need to fight, amen? And remember God's message to you today. What is his message? What you face also has to face me. So Balak, the king of Moab, makes this assumption. And in his desperation, he reaches out to, to Balaam to come and help him curse this Israelite nation. Because he says, this nation wants to attack me. They are only camped in his area. He does not know that they possess a an instruction from God not to attack. But King Balak is afraid. And he goes to a prophet named Balaam. Are you with me this morning, church? Can I have two young men? Philip and um, who else? Yes, come. Right. They're going to be Balaam and Balak this morning, all right? Is that okay? Are you guys got strong legs? You're going to stand for a little while with me? If you can just stand here. Let's make you Balak and you Balaam. Oh no, you Balaam, you Balak. All right? So King Balak, he's with the Moabites. He's the king of the Moabite um, community. Amen? And Balaam is a prophet. Who is Balaam? He's a wicked prophet who hears the voice of God but does not know the voice of God. 
Are you with me? Have you read the story in the Bible before? Amen. His name actually means, and I'm just using it for definition, Philip is not anything like this, okay? He's a great husband. He's a great peer pastor, all right? But just for demonstration this morning, his name is Balaam, and his name actually means destroyer of people. So Balak, the king, comes to Balaam and he says, Balaam, I've got a problem. But he doesn't understand that, that Balaam actually is aware of the Israelite covenant God, and he has a gift of prophecy, but Balaam also uses sorcery and pagan practices. Are you with me this morning? Amen? So how Balaam got to know God, we, it's a mystery. We don't know how he got to know God. We can't see that in the word. But Balak is actually aware that if Balaam speaks, things happen. Are you with me? Amen? So, Balak decides he is going to send messengers with fees of divination to Balaam with a message. So he takes some money, he puts it in a pocket, and he sends it with messengers to Balaam. And he says, behold, a people came out of Egypt. Behold, they cover the surface of the land. Do you see how fear makes us exaggerate a little bit? Were they covering the whole surface of the land? No, they were camped in the area in front of Moab. But, but King Balak sees as if they're covering the whole land. And he says, and they are living opposite me. He says, for, therefore, please come and curse these people for me, since they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I may be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. And he goes on to say, for I know that he who you bless is blessed, and the person you curse is cursed. Are you with me this morning, church? I'm telling you, God has got a message for you this morning. So Balaam responds, okay, and he says to the messengers, spend the night with me. Okay, and I will bring word back to you as the Lord is going to speak to me. I will go and hear, but stay with me for the evening. I'm going to hear from God what he wants. Amen. Then God comes to Balaam and he says, who are these men with you? Why are the Moabite messengers with you? You remember in Deuteronomy 23, God told Israel that they should not mingle or have anything to do with the Moabites. Are you with me? So God is saying to Balaam, he's saying, who are these people with you? And Balaam says, Balak, the son of Zippah, king of Moab, has sent them to me. And he says, behold, there is a people who came out of Egypt. Now he's telling God. Okay, and they've covered the surface of the land. Balaam is telling God the story. The God of the universe is hearing the story from Balaam. Can we just take a moment to give Balaam a hand? Amen. <laughs> he says they're covering the surface of the land, and now I must come and perhaps curse, curse them that they can fight against them and drive them out. And God says to Balaam, do not go with them. You shall not curse them, for they are blessed. Amen? Do not go with them. Do not curse them, for they are blessed. Are you still with me this morning, church? So Balaam rises in the morning. He goes to King Balak. And he says, sir, the Lord has refused for me to go with you. 
I, I really want to go with you. Because remember, Balak had sent the messengers with money. With money. Great wealth. You'll see just now, great wealth. So Balaam has standing in an opportunity to get very rich. And he comes to him and he says, I'm so sorry, but God is not allowing me to go with you. I really want to go, but God, God is saying no. Amen. Isn't that sometimes how we even speak to God? God, you're telling me no, but you know, um, can we talk about this again? Do you know Israel is camped in the plains of Moab and you know there are many? You know, God, the, the, the enemy that's coming from me, there are a, a large enemy and they're camped in front of my home. Um, you're aware of this, God, and they want to curse me. Are you with me this morning? Amen. So the story should have ended here. Balaam should have heard the voice of God, obeyed the voice of God, and it would have been the end of the story. Amen. But he doesn't. Balaam's messengers go back to Balak and they say, oh my goodness, Balaam doesn't want to come. He doesn't want to curse the Israelites. What should we do now? And Balak says, you know what? We're going to send even more distinguished and numerous people to go and deliver a message to Balaam. So the enemy ups his game. Sometimes in your life, church, when you've said no to sin and you've said yes to righteousness, the enemy ups his game to see if you're really serious, amen? To see if you really serve God, to see if you are a man and woman of standing. So he ups his game. He says, I will send distinguished men and women and I will send great leaders to Balaam again with this word. And they come to Balaam and they say, this is what Balak says, the son of Zippor. He says, do not let anything keep you from coming to me. Please, Balaam, please. Because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on these people for me. Up until this point, church, does Israel know of anything going on? Is Israel aware of anything of this going on in the background? You see, many times God is protecting us and he's working in the background and we don't even know about it. You're going to see it. Amen. The enemy is plotting, the enemy is planning, and he wants, the enemy wants to curse you, and God is saying, I will work on your behalf. Because what is our statement we're taking home today? What is God's message to you? What you face also has to face me. What you face also has to face me. Are you with me this morning, church? So Balaam says, even if Balak, you give me all the silver and gold in your palace, I could not do anything great or small or go beyond the command of the Lord my God. Now spend the night here. This is where we get it wrong. He should have just dismissed them there. He says, just spend the night here and I will go find out what else the Lord will tell me. Is there anything else that God could actually say except do not curse them and do not go with him? <laughs> Amen. So God tells them, okay, Balaam, go with them, and I will tell you what to say. So Balaam gets up early in the morning. He takes his two servants and his donkey, and he goes with the leaders of Moab. Are you with me, church? Does it help to have the two gentlemen here just to refer to Balaam and Balak? And they both, Balak is absolutely amazing too. He's not at all like this king, all right? Just putting it out there, all right? We love, we love these young men very much in the church. They're doing a great job. So now God is angry that he has left. So the angel of the Lord stands in the way as an enemy of Balaam. 
God has turned into his opposition. And he is now God's adversary. Oh my word, why does God get mad at him after telling him that he can go? God first tells him go, and then he says no, and then he says, okay, go, and then God says, okay, go, and I'll put the words in your mouth. Can I read a scripture? Psalms 81, verse 11 to 12. But my people would not listen to my voice, and Israel did not consent to obey me. Next verse. So I gave them up to their stubbornness of their heart to walk in the path of their own counsel. Sometimes we have to put down our stubborn hearts, amen, and give up our right to make decisions and hand it over to Jesus Christ, amen. Because right now Balaam is on his way with his servants. He feels he's got his way. And yeah, an angel of the Lord is standing in the path. Sometimes like Balaam, we get caught up in our own wants, aside from what God wants for us. Can I say that? But God's grace is relentless and he can use any unexpected means to get us back on path. In this instance, God chooses a donkey. Right? Hallelujah. And in the Bible, animals that are speaking are only mentioned twice, once in the Garden of Eden and now with this donkey. So the donkey tries her best. Actually, it was a lady donkey. And a lady donkey is actually called a Jenny, by the way. So Jenny, for, for time's sake, okay. Jenny is standing in the way between Balaam and the angel with a sword drawn. And three times she tries to avoid this angel that would actually kill Balaam. Three times. And he, he hits the donkey every time. And after the donkey squashes his foot against a narrow wall... She actually lies down. This is a few chapters I'm summarizing, okay? So just bear with me. So Balaam's pride is severely wounded. <laughs> he is wounded. He is, the, he is the prophet going with Balak to curse the people of Israel. And yeah, the donkey doesn't want to listen to him. And not just that, she lies down. And his pride is hurt. Pride will keep us from the goodness of God, church. Pride will keep us from what God wants for us. So he hits the donkey repeatedly. And what does the Lord do? He opens his eyes. And in the instant, he sees that there's an angel standing in front of him with a drawn sword. And the Lord is actually standing in his way. And he bows to the ground. He bows to the ground. And the angel of the Lord says to him, Why have you beaten your donkey three times? Have I not come to oppose you because you are reckless before me? The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. It, if it had not turned away, I would have certainly killed you. But I would have, but because she did that, I spared your life. God sometimes uses strange things to spare our lives. Sometimes a delay in our promise, a delay in we're getting to our place is maybe just God sparing you from something. And because like the Israelites, you don't see the unseen hand in the background, you question God's motives. Amen? 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 So Balaam says to the angel of the Lord, I've sinned, I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you're pleased, I'll go back. And um, the angel of the Lord says to him, go with the men. But only say what I tell you to say. 
and speak the words what I tell you to speak. Are you with me? So Balaam goes along with the leaders of Balak and they get to their first destination. Amen. Are you with me? They get to their first destination. And Balak travels to Moab to meet Balaam to guide him to the first place. So Balak has seen that the messengers are on their way with, with Balaam and he meets them. And Balak tells Balaam, did I not send for you an urgent summons? Did I not say to you, come to me? Am I really not able to reward you? Well, Balaam says, I've come to you now. So Balaam replies, but I can't say whatever I please. I must speak only what God has put in my mouth. I can only speak what God has put in my mouth. Then Balaam and Balak go to the first high place. Now in the story, there are three high places they go to. The first high place they go to that is, is a place um, of the Baal prophets. And he, he sees a portion of Israel. So Balaam and Balak have gone up to the first place. There they build seven altars. And on the seven altars, they offer a bull and a ram. Are you with me this morning? Amen. And, but Balaam could not curse Israel on his own. He needed God's permission. He needed God's permission to curse Israel. I'm telling you, church, the devil cannot curse you because you, he needs God's permission. And God has said, what I have blessed, no man shall curse. Amen. Amen. When Balaam sees the Lord and he meets him, he goes and stands with Balak and he says, I have to do what the Lord tells me to do. I cannot curse these people. God puts a word in Balaam's mouth and he meets him and he returns and he blesses Israel. He says, how can I curse what God has not cursed? And how can I violently denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? This morning, God is saying to you, church, who can curse you if I have blessed you? And who can denounce you and belittle you and bring you down if it were not by my word? And my word is not that you are going to be cursed, but that you are going to be blessed. Amen? Amen. If you take this word to heart, it will change your life. Because what is God's word to you today? What you face also has to face me. So Balak says to Balaam, what have you done? I took you to curse these enemies of mine and you have blessed them. And Balaam answers, must I not be careful to speak what the Lord has put in my mouth? So Balak says, I have a plan. I'll take you to a second place. Let's go do it in another place. So they build seven altars again and they offer a bull and a ram on each of the altars again. And Balaam tells Balak to stand with the burnt offering while he is with the Lord. He's going to hear again. Can you see the arrogance? He's going to hear from the Lord what he should do at the second altar. So he goes to the Lord and Balaam says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said and will he not do it? And if he has spoken, will he not make it good? So he comes back. He says, I have a message from the Lord. They are blessed. <laughs> they are blessed. 
And Balak says to Balaam, don't curse them then at all or bless them. Can you imagine the dialogue between these two people? He says, don't curse them or bless them. And Balaam says, did I not tell you that I must speak what the Lord has told me to do? So Balak goes from cursing them to, you know what, don't curse them or bless them. Just let's do this altar. But then Balak takes Balaam to a third place. Third time to another place overlooking the wastelands. And he says, perhaps it will be agreeable with your God that you curse them for me here. Again, they build seven altars and they offer a ram and a bull on seven altars. Third time round. Can you imagine? So I went to go look. Why would Balak take Balaam to different locations to curse Israel? It doesn't make sense. And Judge Judy says if it doesn't make sense, it didn't happen. <laughs> So they moved, they moved to different locations because in the pagan belief, they believed that different gods had different levels and authority depending on the location. So he thought that if he had to take him to a different location, a different God would have a different mindset for Israel. He did not know the God of gods, the almighty God who has control over every area. He thought maybe there's another one. Amen. They thought that natural features like rivers, seas, mountains, and oceans were actually all controlled by different gods. And he believed that if he could get Balaam to a place that that God would agree with him, they could curse Israel. Amen. So he believed that the different locations had a different God, but he didn't realize our God, the God of the universe, is in every location. Amen. Amen. If the enemy wants to come to you from the front, guess what? They are going to meet the God of the universe standing there saying, she belongs to me. If he comes from the left, guess what they're going to see? The God of the universe saying, she belongs to me. If the enemy comes from the right, guess what the enemy is going to see? She belongs to me. I'm the God of the universe. And if they come from behind, guess who's standing there? The God of the universe that says what you face also has to face me. Can we say that together this morning? What you face also has to face me. So this time, Balaam's eyes are open because it's believed that up until now he had been using his omens and his sorcery to try and change God's mind. Because yeah, in this third instance, he actually says that he approached God Almighty and he didn't use his omens. It says, Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel. He did not go as the other times to seek omens. Do you see that in Numbers 24 verse 1? Do you see that? But he set his face towards the wilderness. You see, up until this point, Balaam had tried to use divination and sorcery to get God to curse his people. But now he lifts up his eyes and he sees Israel camped in front of him. And the Spirit of God comes upon him. The Spirit of God comes upon him and he prophesies. 
the Spirit of God came upon him in the book of Numbers. Do you see how the Spirit of God has been around from the beginning of time? And you can go and read Numbers 24, verse 3 to 9, the whole blessing. But he declares and he says, blessed is everyone who blesses you and cursed is everyone who curses you. Is this not the promise that God gave Abraham in Genesis 12, verse 1? Where he says, I will bless you and whatever you bless will be blessed and whatever you curse will be cursed. Amen. You see, God remains constant. God never changes. Your God remains constant. But the story has a twist and I'm coming in for a landing. Balak is very angry. Angry face. <laughs> He's very angry and he strikes his hands together and he says, I summoned you to curse my enemies, but you have blessed them three times. Now leave at once and go home. I said I would reward you handsomely, but the Lord has kept you from being rewarded. Can I read that again? I said I would reward you handsomely, but the Lord has kept you from being rewarded. Isn't that what the enemy does? He can't wait to plant something in your heart to turn away from God. He wants you to believe he's not a good father. He doesn't want to meet your needs. He's keeping you from rewards. He's keeping you from money. Did he not say that in the, in the Garden of Eden? Has God really said you can't touch from the street because you don't want to be like him? I mean, Amen. Do you see the enemy's tactic? He wants you to turn away from God and not believe that God is there to bless you. And you subconsciously believe God is there to curse you. Are you with me this morning, church? So Balaam says, Balaam, you must be very, very sober now. Did I not tell the messengers? Tell Balak. Even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in this palace, I could not do anything of my own accord, good or bad, or go beyond the command of my Lord. And I must only say what the Lord says. Now, I'm going back to my people. This is Balaam. But let me warn you, before I go back to my people, let me tell you what's going to happen in the days to come. So Balaam actually then gives seven messages in that prophecy. You can go read it at home, Numbers 24, verse 13 to 14. And one of them is actually a message of the destruction of Moab. And one of them is a message of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. How awesome is this? But let me tell you, church, the end of Balaam's story is very tragic. They depart ways and Balaam's pride and greed eventually overtake him again. He's sitting at home and he's thinking of all this wealth that he has missed out on. So he goes back to Balak and he says, you know what? I'm going to teach you how to defeat the nation of Israel. Have you read this in the Bible, church? It's so interesting. So he teaches Balak and he advises him how to defeat Israel. He says the Moabites must send the Moabite women in between the tribe of Israel. And they must trap them through sexual immorality and idol worship. Can you imagine? Balaam knew that God could never turn his back on Israel. So he had to get Israel to turn their back on God. 
Jesus gives us a warning about this. Jesus speaks about Balaam in Revelations 2 verse 14. And this was so interesting for me this morning because on the three places that they offered the ram and the, and the bull and the amount of offerings they did, they did it 14 times. 14 times, seven altars, a ram and a bull. Seven altars, a ram and a bull. Seven altars, a ram and a bull. What does Revelation 2 verse 14 say? But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, that they may eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. Can you see how divine our God is? Balaam could not curse Israel directly or get God to curse Israel. So he came up with a plan for them to bring a curse on themselves. Balak goes and he follows Balaam's instruction and his tactic works. They send women, Moabite women who God had instructed, remember in the beginning, not to go into the camp. They send them into the camp and they start teaching them to worship idols, their idols. And they start doing sexual immorality with them. And slowly, their hearts start turning from God. Can I give you a warning this morning, church? Be careful for the slow turn. The devil will take his time to make your heart as cold as ice. He's a very patient enemy. Be careful for the slow turn. The small idols you allow in your life, the small perversions you allow in your life, the small sacrifices that don't go to God that you allow in your life. Can I say the greatest tactic the enemy does today is as Christ has forgiven you, you need to forgive. So let's send something into their hearts for them not to forgive. Let's make them offended and their hearts will get as, as cold and as closed as the idols they serve. Their eyes will close, their ears will close and their heart will become hard. And then they will do the slow turn from God. Because the devil knows God will never turn his back on you. Are you with me this morning, church? Be careful for the slow turn. Be careful for the one offense you keep in your heart. Be careful for the one night you don't spend time with Jesus. Be careful for the one person you allow in your life that's teaching you not to love your Savior. Be careful for the slow turn. So later, this actually leads to 24,000 Israelites being killed by a plague because God's judgment comes on Israel. Can you imagine? And Balaam is later killed in a clash with the Israelites. What a tragic legacy to leave. Can we give Balaam and Balak a hand? Thank you very much. May this be a message to us this morning, church. Despite Balak's fears and Balaam's initial temptation to curse the Israelites, God's victorious hand was there. God did not allow Balaam to curse his people. Israel wasn't even aware what was going on. And God was protecting her. Today, you are not even aware of all the times your God has protected you. Amen? That's the Savior we serve. You don't know of all the enemy attacks he has countered because he loves you. Amen? God's heart is to bless and protect you. He does not curse you. He does not hate you. But he wants to spend eternity with you.
Satan's strategy hasn't changed. And he wants you to walk away from God because he knows God will never walk away from you. So he will try and put the slow turn in your heart. The slow turn. If he didn't curse God's people directly, why would he curse you? Jesus Christ I'm talking about. The devil, he wants to curse you. He wants to get a back door. He wants to get into your life. Amen. And distract your heart slowly from your love for God and turn your back on him. He wants you to believe that God is keeping the best from you. Are you with me? It doesn't matter what others have said about you. It did not matter what Balak was saying about Israel. The only thing that truly matters is what God says about you. And can I tell you what Lamentations 3 verse 7 says? Who is he who speaks and it comes to pass when the Lord has not commanded it? Amen? Nothing you do can change God's mind towards you. You are his chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of your God who has called you out of darkness into light. As Christians, we live in light with moments of darkness. Those without Jesus live in darkness with moments of light. Can I say that again? As Christians, we live in light with moments of darkness. Those in the world live in darkness with moments of light. Your darkness does not scare God. He's not afraid of that which is coming against you. He does not turn his back when you are facing sickness, depression, or even suicide. God's message to you is, what you face also has to face me. What you face also has to face me. If you take this one thing home today, know that whatever you face, God is facing it with you. He's in front of you. He's behind you. He's to the left of you. He's to the right of you. He's on top of you. He's below you. Amen. Amen. This is the God we serve. He's the God of the north. He's the God of the south. He's the God of the east. And he's the God of the west. He's the God of today. He's the God of yesterday. And he's the God of tomorrow. So be at peace knowing that God is with you. And what you face also has to face him. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.